1: WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning.
0: Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This
1: one, and
0: it's touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr.,
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to RotoViz Overtime on RotoViz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Arland, joined by Sean Siegel, co-host of the Rotoviz Overtime podcast. Sean, we are on Saturday. We are ready for week six of the NFL. We have the first week of buys coming up here. So make sure you get those lineups uh, set. And make sure you don't have any inactives or people on buys in those bye weeks. We did touch on um, you know a lot of good stuff this week if the listeners haven't checked out the Tuesday or Thursday show head back and listen to them it was episode 300 this past Thursday I had a question that popped up when I was thinking about the bye weeks and um, last week was the first London game of the year and obviously we've joked in the past about time zones and setting up the podcast and doing it in, in eastern standard time and me being in Ireland you've been uh, obviously uh, on the Pacific kind of time zone The UK games, I thought of this on Sunday. I was like, man, this game's at half two my time. I'm like, that's pretty early. And then I was thinking, well, Sean's eight hours different. So I would imagine you skip the London games or do you you ever ever partake in those?
2: It's mostly a skip for me. It, It always depends a little bit on whether you're an early bird or a night owl. Ben and I chat on our show about how I... Tend to burn the midnight oil a little bit more. I'll be sending column emails and I mean he's trying to figure out how I can still be awake because it's the middle <laughs> of the night. My time, I think every once in a while, I'm still up and and Ben is already waking up. So Ben kind of covers the early game for us there. I, you know, I try and record that and and watch as much as possible later, but between the time and the fact that there are so many lineups to check through, kind of in that pre-game window, my focus is more on the lineups at that juncture. Uh, we did have kind of a fun game there. It would have been great if the Jets had gotten off to a faster start, but you know some plays from Michael Carter. And even though Elijah Moore didn't really do much in the box score, he does. Create the pass interference that sets up their late touchdown to make the game close. A column this game was mostly famous for being the breakout of Kyle Pitts without Calvin Ridley to draw targets. He was the main guy there. A little bit surprising in its own way that the Jets didn't make even more of an effort to take him out of the game, but he looked good. If we were able to make it through the first month, and this I think was always to an extent going to be the issue, we've talked about a lot of guys where we were sort of pointing to the second half of the season and it probably sounds a little bit strange to say okay well we were willing to draft Saquon Barkley for the second half or you know hopefully the final three quarters hopefully it's not the full second half you know in the like the one-two turn but you know more skepticism maybe for Pitts in round three pointing for the second half but In this situation, if you were able to get to the first month, not take a lot of tight end points, and and granted, a lot of other teams are not getting a lot of tight end points either, but you don't have that third round pick uh, doing much for you in the lineup. A lot of the teams that don't get a lot of tight end points, at least they drafted those guys later. But now, if you were able to stay alive, then you've got to be very excited about how your tight end position looks uh, as you go through the rest of the season
1: so sean when we were talking i was just doing some uh calculation uh regarding i know there, there's always jokes uh going around with the games that get sent over to the uk but i was just looking i think the combined win-loss record between the four teams after week five uh, is four and 13 so uh the the games tend to not work out the best <laughs> i think that are sent over so we'll see what happens next year uh four teams four and 13 record overall but hopefully uh, it will be interesting but yeah i i think on sunday mornings it's definitely an early start if you want to watch them over on the the west coast but sean diving into today's show um we're going to look a little bit into the zero rb report it's been fantastic to read through that uh, up on the website this season as always it's you know it's one of my go-to pieces but when we look through the running backs everything that's happened in week 5 is there anything particular any player that maybe stood out more so than maybe creeping under the radar for uh, some of the listeners
2: well uh, the main thing that is kind of crazy is just you know almost this contrast between the Cleveland Browns and the Denver Broncos in terms of being able to deploy these fantastic running backs. Now, I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they might be two of the six best running backs. And, you know, that that's saying something at this point, right? And we this is a sort of a golden age right here in terms of the quality of the top guys. And so for them to have two of them and to be able to use them the way that they are it's just kind of crazy. So you need to have both star talent there. You need to have you know some ability in the passing game to keep defenses honest. You need to have a strong offensive line. Uh, the part about it that's a little bit surprising is that we know that Baker Mayfield is not completely healthy. He hasn't been particularly accurate. That really showed up in Week Four, where he had a terrible game. And not as much of a problem here in Week Five, but right now Chubb is number one. Cream Hunt is number 2 in terms of fantasy points over expectation as rushers, right? And so uh, you look at this and they're outperforming their volume by such a wide margin. Now, in terms of total expected points, they rate number 15 and number 16. They're both easy running back ones. You've got this a little bit of a question. If you have them on your dynasty teams or if you drafted them and are now thinking, okay, well, They've even outperformed what I was hoping, you know, should I sell a little bit. They've had the seventh easiest schedule through five weeks. They have the 10th hardest remaining. It's not, like and we have to understand what we're looking at here. It's not like they had the number one schedule and I'm about to go to number 32. In some ways, that was almost what we were dealing with last year in reverse with David Montgomery when we said, look, you guys have to pick him up even though he has not looked good. The situation is just too amazing. I don't think it's that in reverse. I don't think it's a, a must sell again because one of the things that we're looking at is talent is just so important the thing that jumps out in this entire week and in this article two of the other headliners not surprisingly are derrick henry there with the titans austin eckler with the chargers so colin one of the things that ben and i had just hammered over and over and over and you and i have been talking about for years but is this idea of you want to chase talent. Don't get so caught up in the projections that you miss on that. When I look at really any of the players that I wish that I had been higher on or I wish I had more shares of, it never comes down to people who aren't talented, right? I mean, you look at Derek Henry and you say, okay, well, he doesn't have the profile that fits with his draft slot. You look at Austin Eckler and you say, well, he doesn't have the profile that fits with his draft slot. Well, Derek Henry right now is – number one so we look at the first five weeks of the season all players the century you pull out the road of a screener it's a really cool tool for this Henry number one in attempts number two in yards behind DeMarco Murray tied for sixth in touchdowns that puts him second to Priest Holmes in terms of fantasy points exclusively as a rusher now we know again that still a lot of these guys bring out More points as a receiver, even with Derrick Henry scoring 27 points a game through the first five weeks. You know, there are plenty of guys in a five week sample who are above that because they bring the receiving value. But you you ask anybody, I mean, 27 points is well above the level that we're looking for, right? I mean, we're looking for guys who could have expected points in the 20 range and then in a season where they really blow up because, you know, the talent is going to manifest sometimes in seasons where there's just so much volume that you can't really maintain efficiency beyond that. Sometimes you are able because you're so good to put the efficiency numbers beyond. So, you know, we're kind of hoping for the season that's 20 expected points and then four fantasy points over expectation. You get into that 24 range. Well, I mean, Derek Henry is three points above that. So, you know, we're looking at what he's doing, the combination of crazy volume and efficiency. And then you look at Austin Eckler, one of the things I mentioned in his category is that he's averaging more than four points just as a receiver, more than four points above expectation. And to give an idea of just how crazy that would be for the full year, that's very similar to his 2019 campaign where he had the best receiving FPOE numbers for any back in the last five seasons. And there's hardly anybody who's anywhere close again. So one of the things that we see with Alvin Kamara are these crazy efficiency numbers, You know, we're seeing it now with Austin Eckler. We're seeing it not just the once in 2019, but for a second time. And so when you look at the idea of selling players like Henry, like Eckler, like Chubb, one of the things that you have to make sure that you do, even if the schedule gets harder, which is also the case for Henry, is that don't just assume that they're going to be an average player because they definitely are not. So even if you have some regression, which you know they're at such crazy levels right now you have to have that they're still going to be very good they're likely to still outperform their volume even though you know again any you know five week sample you could have one five weeks that's very much above the next five very much below but the fact that we continually see these guys who are very good outperform in these particular metrics that are so directly tied to fantasy scoring which is what we care about that means something to me here so there's a lot of interesting context to look at for these guys, and we've got some great tools to help you do that. Connor has been writing a cool article. Uh, he's the author for the buy low machine type of piece this season. Make sure you check out his work. Again, long-time listeners know that it, there have been some situations in the past where uh, we call it the strength of schedule streamer right now. you know Frank originally called it the buy low machine. Uh, you know, both terms are very accurate in terms of describing you know, what it will do for you. There are some big opportunities if you understand the schedule of these players, we just want to make sure we also are putting that in the bigger context of talent also mattering.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data
1: So get going and start
2: growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Constantcontact.com.
1: We have touched on them a lot, Sean, so I think we'll skip by it today. But uh, Zach Moss continues to, you know, kind of pop in, in all those top 10 charts in terms of the, the receiving rushing and expected points. Um, but somebody who... You mentioned the Broncos and the Browns and the difference in how those offences are running. Uh, the Broncos kind of struggling to sustain those drives, but Cavante Williams and his opportunities has looked pretty good. He does jump up in, in both of these in terms of rushing and receiving uh, opportunities for week five. We talked about him quite a bit in the offseason. We didn't talk about him that much so far through those opening uh kind of five weeks. How do you feel about Javante Williams as we move forward here in his opportunity? Do you think it's just mainly the the offense is gonna hold him back in terms of the the kind of the weighted opportunities that he gets in the, the red zone. The team just isn't really getting to the red zone enough.
2: Yeah well I mean Colin, what do you think here? We have Williams over the last couple of weeks he ranks number one in evasion rate. He ranks number one in yards after contact per attempt Uh, you can go into the advanced stats explorer and check out all of those fun numbers. It gives you a sense of, you know, descriptively how those players are performing. You can see these things watching the games. It really jumps out on the screen, but it's cool to be able to go in and kind of back that up, confirm it with the stats to see. Yeah. What, you know, we all watch the game with a little bit of a biased lens. The guys that we think are good, if they get stopped in the backfield, like, well, that's the, you know, blocking broke down when they break a 40-yard run, it's like, oh, they made a guy miss and they got to the hole and then they you know, really showed off the burst and you know, vice versa where if you know Joe Mixon gets tackled in the backfield, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, he's slow. He can't beat guys. He doesn't break tackles. You know, He's not going to run through anybody. So, of course, if there was penetration, he got tackled. And then if he breaks one off, it's like, oh, well, I mean, he had a hole the size of three trucks to run through. Of course he ran through. Anybody could jog through that. So we know that we're watching the games with bias, so it can be cool to go in and check out some of these numbers, see what the guys are actually doing. The weird thing for me is that, uh, to an extent, you might say the Broncos still have some more talent, even with all the injuries, than the Browns have in the passing game. You know, maybe they could keep some guys on Cortland Portland Sutton this huge number of air yards, and we saw him break out for the 39-yard score toward the end of that game to really give him another strong fantasy performance. Column you were, I, just as long as we're on that topic for a second, you were really pushing for Sutton at different times. When we were drafting, he's definitely one of the guys where – Uh, If we had more Sutton, we'd be doing better. You had a number of guys like that this season. Uh, I just feel like you had a great uh, offseason in terms of player evaluation. So I wanted to throw that out there. The Broncos have the sixth best schedule remaining for running backs and Jerry Judy at some point, hopefully, will be back. This could be an offense that's not that bad in the second half of the season. We know that Williams was rising so fast on you know, in, in the last couple of weeks of fantasy going from, you know, sort of a late fifth round pick to you would see him going in round two sometimes, which, you know, is kind of crazy to think based on the situation, at least to start the season, we always talk about how, you know, don't emphasize situation to where it hurts you, but you also have to understand price. And so the price just really didn't work out at that point. Uh, he was on the first zero RB list because he was at that five, six turn, which is more, where we consider the beginning of, you know, if you don't want to go with a strong zero RB, you could get him there. Where are we now that, if anything, I mean, he's been exactly as advertised when he touches the ball, but he doesn't touch the ball that often. And like you said, there haven't been a lot of great high value opportunities when there were a couple of those. Maybe those were the one time when he didn't look that good. He has the sort of infamous fumble down at the goal line several weeks ago. Javante Williams, somebody you're going out and trying to trade. I mean, in, in Dynasty, it still seems straightforward. Are you trying to trade for Javante Williams in redraft as well?
1: Yeah, I would be trying to get him on the rosters. And we touched on this in the offseason too, in terms of you know looking at different backfields and how things might shake out. We did kind of think that melvin Garden was a lot better last year than people were talking about. So it might have took a little bit of time, and we are now into week six garden still looks pretty good but i i do think williams should now continue to get more and more work in this backfield i don't have a huge amount of confidence that that is the way it's going to happen but i still think that he's going to continue to show how explosive he is and how how good he looks each and every time i see him touch the ball he's kind of exactly like you mentioned what we thought was advertised the biggest problem with the offense i think like you touched on the some of the deep shots last week that um went the way of Cortland sutton but what we're seeing in this offense is either quite big chunk plays to wide receivers or else we're kind of getting bogged down in the off uh, in the red zone and settling for field goals is the offense is kind of i don't know it's a mismatch a mismatch it's not really doing much consistency um we're getting you know some plays here some plays there this might work this won't work but both running backs have looked quite good so for me, Williams is more of a, a dynasty asset to acquire still. But um, you know, I, I think we're gonna see the Broncos probably continue to split that backfield. But um I think 2021 20, might just be a little bit tricky to have Javante Williams, you know, continue to to break out more than we want based on the usage. For example, we talked with Derek Henry and the usage in the passing game. We're just not really getting that volume there. The offense is you know, quite happy to slowly go down the field and and you know try and keep try and keep it nice and close, and that's just not going to work out for the Broncos this year. I think I think they need to be a bit more aggressive. We're talking about other offenses on on recent shows being aggressive. Even the Lions who are an over and five, and it's not working out for them, but they're being aggressive. Um, and we see it with the Chargers as well. I think the Broncos are quite happy to to not be overly aggressive and unfortunately as much as I can kind of stand up for Teddy Bridgewater at times that's kind of what you you get when when he's in charge of that offense overall so I can see exactly why you wanted Arnold Rogers to be quarterback in this offense in the offseason Sean um but I, I really like what he's what he's showing it's just that a bit like I touched on with Jonathan Taylor if any of the Broncos play callers are listening give him the ball and give him the ball more that's what we need for <laughs> Javante Williams and Jonathan Taylor um but We'll see how that plays out over the coming weeks. Sean, the other player that I wanted to pick up that is showing up here in terms of the opportunities is James Robinson. Now, only one target this past week. And again, people are probably wondering, they're always talking about targets. They're always talking about working the receiving game. It just adds so much value. The targets are worth more than the rushing opportunities. But James Robinson, as a rookie, came in, done better than anyone could possibly probably expect. Had a phenomenal rookie campaign. Then they drafted uh, Travis Etienne, which obviously knocked his value down a little bit. Unfortunately, Etienne got injured. But James Robinson, so far this season, has looked, I think, looked really good. And, and this past week, 18 carries for him, so 19 total opportunities. Um, Pretty pretty big day for him. But this offense, like, there's just so many question marks. You know, Me and you both love Chanel. Talked a lot about it in the offseason. Looked like on Thursday Night Football, the offense might be starting to look a bit more towards him. Definitely didn't look to more towards him in week uh, week five. Uh, so there's lots of question marks going around. Uh, every, pretty much everything the the coaching staff. I, I think they've Lawrence makes some incredible throws, but there's obviously challenges with being a rookie quarterback as well. But Robinson's uh, looking pretty good, but just not getting as much usage in the passing game than he did last year.
2: Well, we had a game here where. He unfortunately wasn't as involved there. I think sometimes you're looking at a total number of opportunities where coaches are trying to keep it to a certain level. And then they did have the situation late where most of those plays have to be passes and they didn't deploy him in that stretch, which was unfortunate in its own way. Yeah. I mean, he looked very good, right? 18 carries 149 yards, a touchdown. He has the long, I believe 58 yard run in that game. Now you can look at that one of two ways. Even he removed that 58-yard run. He has a very good line. It's great to see the, that big run because it reminds you, okay, well he can break off the big play. And the big plays are just again so important. We know they're not going to happen every week, but the potential for them to happen occasionally, you know, that's an extra touchdown worth of scoring right there. To be able to do that on one play that was a low value touch, you know, you want those guys in in your lineup on your roster. Robinson doesn't have the athleticism to do that you know like a jamal charles or a chris johnson you know that type of player but it's good to see it reinforces just how talented he is and then we see the slashing ability we see the cutting ability we see the vision we see the power just you know consistently play to play i mentioned in the monday article that they did have the fourth down uh carry at the goal line, when they're trailing 31-19 sort of early in the fourth quarter, if they score, then, you know, suddenly this is a very competitive game, which is really not how it felt after the play. They use Carlos Hyde on that play. I kind of talked earlier in the show about how we see everything through our, our normal biases, and you know, we need to be aware of those. But it was kind of one of these plays where there was defensive penetration. Hyde takes the carry. He looks at those guys, and, and basically it's just like, well... You know, I'm done. There, there's nothing I can do here. And and more or less, I me mean, takes a couple steps forward and then, you know, takes a couple steps back and sits down as they tackle him. It's probably unfair to think that anybody scores there. You know, but a Barry Sanders has a better chance. And so your question is, well, does a James Robinson have a better chance? I think that he probably does. You know, you you make one hard cut, you hit the guys hard. You know, maybe one of the defenders doesn't get a clean shot at you. You bounce off, you push forward some more. We talk a lot about. So much of running back production being interchangeable, but I mean that's, and this is one of the things that some of the reality teams will say from time to time when they draft a running back in the first round. I mean they're almost offended. They're like, "When you're telling us we can't draft a running back in the first round, as though there's no difference in talent." And you're like, "You know, look at some of the people drafted there, right? I mean, Christian McCaffrey, top ten pick. You know, Saquon Barkley, top ten pick. The idea that those are just any other guys so they don't matter would be silly." one of the things we're trying to emphasize is just how low value running back touches are in football overall from a reality perspective. And, you know, you you get plenty of guys late like an Alvin Kamara, but you get players like that at all positions. So basically the thing is still that makes sense. And yet at the same time, we don't want to, you don't want to overstate some of these conclusions that are true because once you start to overstate something, then people will push back because they know that now you're not telling them the truth. Anyway, that's a little bit of an aside. But the idea here with James Robinson, I think, is that, I mean, he's a good player, right? And so, again, I would kind of throw this to you and ask for our listeners who have Robinson. I assume that a lot of them do. We liked Robinson going into last season. And then, obviously, once it became clear that he was going to be the starter, pushed hard for him. So I assume that the share percentage for our listeners is higher than normal on Robinson in Dynasty What would you be doing after a game like this, where this is going to be one of his better games of the season? You're you're going to have some games with more receptions, but you're not going to have too many games, even with him where you have 149 yards and a touchdown. This would appear to be a sell high opportunity, or at least a good sell window. He's going to be at full value here. Should people be trying to unload him, knowing that this team is in disarray, and also knowing that almost regardless of how good he is this season, that Travis Etienne is going to step on the value next year.
1: Yeah, I I think there's a sell window here. Now, in terms of what I think, like if we look at how the season started, um, he was getting more targets than rush attempts, but the last three weeks, he's had at least 15 rush attempts, 18 both the last two weeks, a touchdown in every game, two touchdowns against Cincinnati two weeks ago. So he's been very, very consistent. I think, though, you mentioned about this kind of been probably his best game of the season you know we could we could potentially take you know 50 of those yards off but if we can get four receptions we can start to balance that out so i do think there'll be other big games uh just looking at their schedule they have the dolphins coming up then they have a bye um so i i do think there's an opportunity to move away from that um if you wanted to get out from James Robinson looking ahead it can be very tough to do that at this exact point in time but based on where the value was in August and based on where the value is going to be come January when people start to talk about uh Travis Edian coming back I think there's there's definitely an opportunity here but I, I really I I do think if he was somebody drafted in the first round the uh, you know the thought process around it would be much much different. Obviously. Coming in undrafted, um, I think that kind of undervalues him a little bit, just from perception side of things. But I still think that he he looks really, really good. And if you were asking me what I could do to to you know add to his value, I think we, we would change the and staff in Jacksonville. Um, but I still think there's there's upside there. The the one thing about it that's tricky is that he is so young, and then obviously the rookie coming in who will be in a second year next year. It's unlikely that he moves on over the you know the next year or so. So it will be a, a split in that backfield. But um it's I think Robinson's a fantastically talented player. I would be finding it very hard to move on, but I think you're you're making a smart point there where this this could be that opportunity to do so based on how things were a couple of months back and how they're gonna be a couple of months forward. So if you have the opportunity to do that, I think I would go ahead and dynasty and and move on. Um, in that scenario uh, we are getting towards the end of today's show sean it is um the end of our kind of week six program in here but i did want to point out in this article we looked through the zero rb reported is up on rotavis.com i named the show on tuesday uh jonathan taylor is the best running back in the nfl the end of the article sean has mentioned is jonathan taylor the best and in brackets healthy rb i think we could have just put uh, christian mccaffrey in brackets there if, if you wanted but um yeah, it's amazing how quickly somebody misses a week or two and you forget that they, they even exist but yes yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting when, when mccaffrey's back in there i think they're they're both very very close obviously but uh and the mix now is, is jonathan taylor but um we are at the end of the week i mentioned it was episode 300 this week if you haven't checked it out head back to listen to tuesday and thursday show lots of good stuff covered there thank you for tuning in to this episode, hopefully you have a good week six go get those wins and uh keep moving yourself up the rankings in your leagues so best of luck with that if you want to sign up to get some tools uh, and access to those tools that may help you this weekend set those lineups and make those decisions you can get yourself a 10 percent discount to a road nfl pass by adding the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or going to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for additional information drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app and of course i did plug listening to road of his overtime podcast uh, shows over the last couple of days make sure you check out stealing bananas as well with sean where you'll be able to hear him discuss with ben Gretz, and of course they will also have the sunday night recap show which does drop early morning eastern standard time um each and every monday so make sure you subscribe to their feed as well to get that once it comes out it's always great to get that information uh bright and early on a monday morning from sean and ben so subscribe to that my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel check out sean's work up on road until we're back next week have a good one